From Lansing Community College, this is LCC Connect, and this is Land Stories, with me, David Seawick. Each episode explores a different topic, such as the people, business, neighborhoods, communities, buildings, and other phenomena that make up the history of our college and our region. We tell stories, and in doing so, we connect the past to the present. Today we continue looking at the growth and development of the Lansing Community College campus in downtown Lansing. And this is part three of a three-part episode. In parts one and two, we looked at the formation of Lansing Community College, the acquisition of the land that Lansing Community College now occupies in downtown Lansing, and how certain buildings came into existence and what their purposes were for when they were built. We're going to really continue along that theme here as we get into part three of this series. Now, if you haven't had a chance to listen to parts one and two, those episodes are available on demand, and you can find them at lccconnect.org, and you will be able to get the backstory behind some of the stuff that we're going to look at in this episode. In the mid-1970s, Lansing Community College embarked upon and completed one of the greatest, actually to this day it still is the greatest in terms of size and impact it would have, building projects that the college had ever undertaken. And that was a completion of the Gannon Building. The Gannon Complex is probably really more of an accurate way of describing that when it was first built and how it has functioned through the years. So the Gannon Building was called the Gannon Vocational Technical Building for quite some time because it had a major component of LCC's vocational technical programs located in it. But the building was also built with a uh, gymnasium in it and had a big parking ramp attached to it. Had, I speak in the past tense, because that parking ramp that was built as the original part of that structure has been demolished. And as I record this episode, the parking ramp that has replaced that old parking ramp is now nearing completion. In fact, I drove by it just the other day and noticed that it looks like it's just about ready to have cars come into it and uh, have people start parking. So by the time the Gannon Complex was completed in the mid-1970s, the campus of Lansing Community College definitely had taken on the form that it more or less has now. And this is especially the case after the Washington Mall came into existence as Washington Avenue was closed off to vehicular traffic. And that's something that was covered quite a bit uh, in part two of this series. So in this episode, we're going to look at uh, two other buildings that are of particular importance that have been built since the completion of the Gannon Complex in the mid-1970s. And then we're going to look at some more general themes and ideas of looking at Lansing Community College's campus as a whole as to where it fits into downtown Lansing. And that is a theme uh, that we have explored both in part one and part two of this series. So picking up our story with the completion of the Gannon Building and the closing of Washington Avenue through the LCC campus to vehicular traffic, we now have a Lansing Community College campus that very much is devoted to pedestrians. And this contrasts quite a bit with some of the community college campuses that were being built, not only in Michigan, but around the United States as a whole at this time. 
The great wave of suburbanization and automobile culture, which proliferates, especially in the two decades, three decades after the Second World War, uh, was something that played out in the construction of community college campuses all across the United States. Oftentimes, these were built uh, either as one gigantic building that sat in an even larger parking lot or as a couple of large buildings or a handful of large buildings that were nonetheless surrounded by enough parking spaces that theoretically uh, nearly all the students who were taking classes at that particular school would be able to drive their cars there and park them. And one could travel to other places in Michigan and see community colleges that were built along this mindset. Some of the community colleges that were built uh, in this 1960s time period were indeed devoted to the automobile. They were designed to get people there uh, with a car, but they still had um, some very impressive urban planning and architectural designing uh, that went into them. For example, at Delta College, uh, which is located in a town, or at least a postal distinction, called University Center in the Saginaw Bay City Midland area, uh, it has a very well-known architectural feature to it, and that is a central courtyard that was designed by none other than Alden B. Dow, a very prominent mid-century modern uh, architect who had uh, quite a bit of activity in Michigan at the time period. And the uh, Dow designed lights that are uh, part of that courtyard, as well as a pool and, and the landscaping are still a central part of Delta College's campus. So the, the fact that a college campus could be built really anywhere, um, and then the different forms that some of these took on, but most of them being uh, forms that were, well, like Delta College, intended to be a place that people drove to, that tended to be the, uh, the major theme when we're looking at the development of community colleges in that 1960s time period in Michigan. So Lansing Community College then is distinct from the others uh, in that aspect, that it uh, was built downtown and remains there to this day in terms of the college's main campus. The construction of the college campus did not stop with the building of the Gannon Building in the 1970s. If we imagine we are leaving the Gannon building in the center of the building and exiting out onto the Washington Mall, the road that I've talked about quite a bit that one time was open to vehicular traffic, and walk about uh, 60 yards or so across that mall, we are going to enter into a building called Dart Auditorium. And the history of Dart Auditorium is not quite as far back as some of the other buildings that are on campus, but now that we are in the uh, second decade of the, well, actually the third decade of the 21st century, we can look at Dart Auditorium as an example of the latter part of the 20th century uh, architectural styles. So that building was built in 1980, and it was a performing arts center named in honor of the uh, first, one of the first board of trustees at Lansing Community College, John H. Dart, and has been known for many years simply as Dart Auditorium. And it is a brick building, it has a darker colored brick facade that is pretty common with buildings that were built right about 1980. Indeed, there are several other buildings in downtown Lansing that uh, date back to that time period that have that darker uh, brick facade. And I'm sure that many of you can imagine 
more than one building that you've been into or driven or walked by uh, in your life that has that darker, uh, it's almost like a purple color if you look at it really closely, a dark, dark red uh, brick that was quite common at that time period. DART seats 480 people, and it has been the Lansing Community College Performing Arts Center there for, uh, since 1980. Now, the one thing that I didn't mention that I would very much like to hear and talk about a bit more, actually, is what we walked through and over to go across the Washington Mall from the Gannon Building 2 Dart Auditorium. So we are now going to pretend for a moment that we did not walk into Dart Auditorium. We are going to think about standing outside of that Washington Mall entrance to the Gannon Building and looking out we notice a slight hill that has an amphitheater built into the side of it that's facing us and also has this beautiful 40-foot tall structure that is a sculpture located on the hill's summit. Now, it's not a really big hill, so I guess to call it the hill's summit may be a bit of a uh, stretch, but nonetheless, it's the highest point of elevation on Lansing Community College's campus, and that hill has a very interesting history to it. And in all honesty, when I first started teaching at Lansing Community College, I used to walk around the campus and think, this is really impressive here. This looks like a university campus, only smaller. And even then, not that much smaller compared to some of the uh, smaller colleges anyways that I've been to before. But one of the things that always struck me about the campus was that little hill there. And the other thing that, well, along the same lines used to kind of strike me about it was that the Gannon building uh, was actually built into the side of a hill. And it's not uncommon for buildings to be built into the side of a hill at all. It's been done as long as buildings have been being built. And indeed, many of you may live in a house that was built into the side of a hill. But what surprised me about that was, from a quick glance, Lansing Community College's campus, like much of the city of Lansing, looks incredibly flat. Flat so much that any hill is kind of surprising to encounter. And so when I first walked into the Gannon building and realized that, wow, this building is built on the side of a hill, I kind of scratched my head a little bit because I couldn't notice immediately any hill uh, that the building could have been built into. But actually... If you stand on Grand Avenue, which is the road that abuts the other side of the Gannon Building, from where we are standing in our imaginarium right now of our mind, uh, you can notice that actually, yes, there is a very slight rise in elevation as one travels westward from Grand Avenue, Grand Avenue being just a couple feet in elevation above the Grand River. And the Grand River, not far at all from there, uh, for the roughly half the year that leaves are off the deciduous trees in this area, one can see the Grand River clearly from not only Grand Avenue, but from various spots in the Gannon Building, actually, uh, including the lovely glass facade uh, commons area that encompasses the northeast corner of that building. So, actually, Lansing Community College's campus isn't flat, and my quick glance at it at my first uh, stroll around the college campus was therefore deceiving me. And sometimes that is the joy of uh, discovery, actually. So the story I'm relating to you right now is me reliving the first uh, encounter, the first experience I had with campus at Lansing Community College. And what is really neat to look back on that is to think about uh, all these years later, 
all of the things that one learns about one's environment immediately and then over a long period of time or a longer period of time. And then what is really fun to do, which is what I'm doing right now in some ways, is to think back to the comparison of the knowledge that one now has about something uh, to what that knowledge base looked like 10, 15, uh, 20 years ago, however long ago uh, one is thinking back to. So, to get our mind back to our imaginary stroll around Lance Community College's campus, it's taking place right now in our world, no matter where or how we are connected in engaging in this uh, imaginary walkthrough. We are once again standing outside the Gannon Building and we're looking at that hill. And on the hill, the top of the hill, is a beautiful structure. It is a 40-foot tall structure called Upward Bound. And Upward Bound was a gift of Lansing Community College, or gift to Lansing Community College, by the Abood family. And the gift was made in 2019, which is when the sculpture was constructed. And it is an absolutely outstanding piece of art that serves, I think, as a complementary piece, and in many ways a centerpiece to all of the other structures that are on the college campus, including the dozens of sculptures that are on Lansing Community College's campus or within walking uh, distance of the college campus. So in the year 2019, Upward Bound was put on that hill. But what stood on that hill before? And chronologically speaking, as we're walking right by that hill in our imaginary walk and we're looking up at it, it is really hard now uh, to think back to maybe 40 or 50 years ago and uh, imagine what, what that area looked like. But we're going to try to do so. And in doing so, we turned the big gigantic clock that has the hands of time on it back to the 1970s. And in the 1970s, there was a house that had already stood on that hill for at least 50 years at that point. The house was called the Turner House. Now, you have to be careful here, because Lansing has a very well-known and a not-so-well-known, but nonetheless very historic uh, set of houses in it that are both, in one way or another, named Turner. There's the Turner Dodge House that is located on North Grand River Avenue, and it is a structure that's one of the oldest in Lansing. The original part of that house was built way back in 1855, and then it underwent a uh, dramatic renovation in the early 1900s. The size of the house is basically doubled, and uh, major changes were made to the architectural style of it. Uh, a very well-known Lansing architect by the name of Darius Moon um, is the one who carried out the renovations that were done on that house in the early 1900s. So that house has an incredible history to it. And it is a museum that's open to the public right now. And so I would encourage, if you have never been there before, to go there. It's quite remarkable to see. And then, not too far from the uh, Turner Dodge House, really the other side of the Grand River and uh, about a quarter mile to the west is a less-known house in Lansing that's called the Smith-Turner House. And it sits on the corner of Grand River Avenue and Walnut Street. Now, Lansing is a confusing place to drive around or walk around if one is going to try to find an address that bears the name of Grand River Avenue. 
And for those of us who either have lived around here a long time or folks that are native uh, to this area, we, I think, sometimes forget about that fact. So Grand River Avenue runs in different parts of Lansing. And in fact, Lansing has a corner, a street corner, that happens to be the corner of Grand River Avenue and Grand River Avenue. It's, it's a terribly confusing thing to try to explain, and I shall not do it at this point. However, I mention it because, in reference to this other Turner House, the Smith-Turner House, it is on Grand River Avenue, however, it is not on the same road that the Turner Dodge House that is also on a Grand River Avenue. So, with that said, the reason why I mention those two houses that bear the Turner name is because Turner is a historic uh, and, and uh, very well-known family in the Lansing area. They're one of the founding families of this area, uh, the Lansing area, mid-Michigan region. And indeed, as evidence of the Turner Dodge house uh, being built way back in 1855, they're a family that have been in this area for as long as people have uh, settled in the area since it was named the state's capital. The Turner House, though, that we want to focus on is one that doesn't stand anymore, and that is the house that did at one time stand on the top of that hill, the hill that now has the sculpture upward bound sitting more or less exactly where the Turner House once stood. The Turner House was not as old as the other two houses with the name Turner in them that I've mentioned here. This house was built in the early part of the 20th century, and it had, by the time uh, of the construction of Dart Auditorium, by 1980, that house had served uh, a variety of roles, one of which being the Historical Society of Michigan's museum. That was the State History Museum. And... It served that role for quite some time, and when the uh, construction of Dart Auditorium commenced, however, that building uh, had to be torn down, that house did. So the Turner House was torn down, and it is not the only house, actually, that once stood where Lansing Community College's campus is located now. Uh, I've talked about the houses that do still stand uh, in Part 1, actually, of this uh, series, Episode Part 1. We looked at the Rogers Carrier House and the Herman House. Uh, as I also mentioned in that episode, as where Lansing Community College now stands, was kind of a split between a residential and a commercial district in the city. Uh, there were a number of homes that were built back in the 1800s or the early 1900s that people lived in uh, in that neighborhood. And like any city, as, as time goes on, areas of a city change. That happened here in Lansing. Um, and Lansing Community College is absolutely emblematic of that. And in fact, if we uh, imagine for a moment what it looked like to have not only the Turner House sitting there on top of that small hill, but also uh, there was another house located very near where the Dart Auditorium is located now. And then imagine walking down Capitol Avenue in the south direction uh, through Lansing Community College's campus, and we come across the corner of Shiawassee Street in Capitol Avenue, and uh, the previous episodes we talked about what buildings used to stand on the northwest corner. Well, if we turn our attention to the other side, the other corner, that would be the northeast corner, uh, of that corner of Capitol and Shiawassee, now there's a building there called the TLC building. 
And uh, TLC stands for Technology and Learning Center. Actually, the full name of the building is Abel B. Sykes Technology and Learning Center, named after the second president of Lansing Community College, Abel Sykes. And the TLC building was built in 1988, and it recently underwent a renovation every bit as substantial as some of the other campus renovations that uh, Lansing Community College has, has undergone over the last decade or so. And that renovation was completed uh, really just at the end of last year, right here at the beginning of this year, which is 2022. And it has uh, really an, an absolutely outstanding, uh, just almost hard to describe really, uh, look and feel to it inside. It is a library as well as a uh, student learning center that is really the way that I think libraries and other areas on uh, college campus are intended to help students is going to look well into the you know the the coming decades. So it's a fascinating building in in the fact that during a relatively short history, it's only been around for about twenty five years. Uh, it's already undergone one major renovation, but continues to serve the purpose uh, for which it was built. And in that building actually are the uh, studios for LCC Connect. So by your very act of listening to this program, by golly, you have a connection to that building, whether you realize it or not. Now you do. And uh, that building has uh, a variety of other activities that go on it as well. A lot of the college's IT operations are centered in that building uh, it has study spaces, group study rooms, a lot of computers, flexible classrooms, all kinds of things that are necessary for that type of learning facility here in the uh, in the 21st century. And I I don't know that I can say it's the beginning of the 21st century anymore because we're a couple years into the third decade now. So that is uh, that's what happens though for for all of us. So our look at the uh, history of Lansing Community College in this three-part episode is done for now, but certainly not done forever. Far from it. Uh, be sure and check back in in uh, the coming weeks because we are going to be featuring some of the buildings that have been mentioned, some of the places that have been mentioned here uh, on this episode uh, and part two and part one of this series, but also some places that have not been mentioned yet. Uh, in this three-part episode series that I think in many ways continue with that story, that story of Lansing Community College, Lansing Community College's campus, and where that campus, that college, fits into the, the past and present and, of course, the future of Lansing. So I hope you've really enjoyed our look at uh, all of this so far and very much want to leave you with a thirst for more knowledge, knowledge of the area, and that will be forthcoming. So uh, until then, it's been absolutely great having you all here. You've been listening to Land Stories with me, David Seawick. For more information on this program and to stream past episodes, visit lccconnect.org. LCC Connect is the official home of the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College, offering hours of original and exciting programming. Hosted by faculty, staff, and community members, LCC Connect explores our college's work in the community, important topics in higher education, and our vision for the future. Catch the vibe on 89.7 FM or online at lccconnect.org. Until next time, remember, keep telling good stories.